Hey everybody, welcome back to Shannon's Lumber Industry Update. Today we're on episode 75, and I've got another special guest. Tommaso has been a fixture in the online woodworking community for as long as I can remember, and he reached out to me and said something to the fact that he has tens of thousands of board feet of lumber, and he has yet to go to a lumber yard. Now, Tommaso has recently gotten a sawmill and has started sawing up some of his own logs, but he's amassed a large part of his collection, both domestic and exotic, through other sources. And I hear from people all the time asking, what's the best way to buy lumber? Where do I go to find lumber? I don't have lumber yards near me, etc., etc. Well, Tommaso has tapped into the auction market, as well as several other resources, and I sat down with him to have a discussion about how he finds his lumber. So longtime listeners of, well, this show, but uh, certainly Wood Talk, which is kind of an extension of, <laughs> this show is an extension of that. They will remember some guy that always writes in named Tommaso. Um, Tommaso Val- Valeriano. I think I got that right. Um, I have Tommaso on the show. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for having me. Today we're going to talk about um, how to build a an obscenely sized wood hoard. Um, because Tommaso, uh, I believe over the last 20 years has accrued a stash of about 30,000 board feet and has yet to visit a lumber yard. So, um, it's kind of like, uh, kind of like Matt Cremona, never been to a lumber yard, but from what I understand, Tommaso is not sawing his own logs, although maybe a few, I don't know, but w- I get questions all the time about how do I get lumber? I don't have a lumber yard nearby. I've talked about it before. I've, I've, uh, heard from many people who have had success going the methods that I've talked about, like seeking at millwork houses and professionals and doing cooperative buys. Tommaso's got a whole list of things of, of by hook or by crook, he's getting, uh, getting that lumber. So, um, uh, just before we started recording, he characterized himself as the guy with the trench coat in the back alley saying, Hey kid, you want some lumber? So (laughs) welcome Tommaso. Tell us your secrets. What it fell off a truck. (laughs) <laughs> right. right. <clears throat> yes. Hello. Thank you for having me. As I said before, um, where to begin? Um, yeah. Well, I guess here's the here's the first thing. Let's start with you've amassed a horde of 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 30,000 board feet. How how accurate is that number? I mean, that's the one uh, you threw to me. I haven't like physically measured it. And, uh, and it is constantly growing and, and being used and such. Um, so it's a rough estimate, but I would say 25 to 30,000. Okay. Um, so how do you have split. it, how do you have it stored? The, excuse me, um, the most of it is at my, uh, on my dad's farm and his taking up his barn, much to his regret. Hmm. And I have some pallet racks that I have kind of the ready to use stuff that is category, you know, stacked and categorized by what, what flavor it is. I have some longer and larger stuff stored up in a hayloft and the stuff that has been cut and is air drying is undercover out back. Okay. And probably a few squirrel holes elsewhere that I have forgotten of. So of all that, assuming you can, yeah, I was just wondering, like, do you even know what you have anymore? But, um, what's your prize? stack or prize board or if you can if you can narrow it down to a board and and what are you waiting for like we've all got that board that oh one day i'll build something out of that and then it gets pushed further and further back what's your prize possession um i do have a stack of cherry that came 
from a very large tree off of my dad's farm. And hmm. that one I very tend cool. to reserve for cabinetry in my house mm-hmm. because there is a sentimental value. Yeah. Uh, but stuff that I'm kind of a little more golem-ish over uh, <laughs> might be like some of the more rare stuff, mulberry, um, mm. some elm I've picked up because I don't have a whole lot of it. Um, recently pulled some boards out and was working and discovered they were sassafras. And I was like, well, I have more sassafras than I thought. And this is really pretty. Mm-hmm. So it is kind of a, <laughs> the joke is the rarest wood in my collection and shop is pine. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, it usually goes for the most money and, and I don't use it a whole lot except for structural. Right. Yeah, no, that makes makes perfect sense. Or pinay, as we call it in my shop. <laughs> pinay, very nice. Yeah, a fine pinay, um, <laughs> <laughs> and some cherry cherry. So this is it, it's interesting. So is it, it? Well, how do I rephrase this? I guess it's it's pretty much all domestic lumber. You don't have any exotics in there, do you? Um, I do have a <laughs> secret stash of some exotics. A uh, big hunk of purple heart, some zebra wood, uh, a couple planks of, I believe, Brazilian cherry. Okay. <clears throat> that deep red um, rosewood or Brazilian cherry. I, you know, I don't know enough about exotics, but you know, I've got that small little collection I picked up, um, which maybe we'll come back, back around to how I got it. Um, okay. But yeah, that that one that one I do reserve because like, do I have enough of it, and what do I want to use it for? Mm-hmm. Because I don't have a renewable source of it right yeah so except for a lumber yard of course which yeah, yeah sure sure well yeah. and and i i bring that up because um you know when you look at like a lot of the traditional online routes from the more established places like bell forest to things like ebay um there tend to be a fair amount of exotics in like smaller pieces think of like the turning blanks the pool cue blanks or like knife scales of course, the pen blank type thing, or or what you might refer to as micro lumber, um, and and that gets kind of bantered around the internet a, a fair bit. Um, but the true like getting into the domestic stash, in my experience, I have had very little luck through e-commerce type platforms, unless of course you're going directly to like a lumber yard, um, you know, Cookwoods or Belfort or somebody like that. Through the um, like independent sources through uh, like Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace or eBay or whatever, they they tend to be kind of exotic heavy, um, and they tend to be more on the micro lumber or craft lumber type stuff. Well, that would make sense in that you know shipping a thousand board feet versus yeah. I need three pieces of ePay for some crafting project and it's a scrap leftover. It's you know lower overhead for the shipper. They can smell all the small bits. It's easier to put it in a simple box and send it versus, well, I drive down whatever and buy three oak logs worth of lumber. That's not, UPS guy's going to really hate me if he has to haul that in. <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember um, I ran a, a small e-commerce arm of, of McIlvain lumber called Hardwood to Go. Uh, technically, it still exists. It's just on hiatus because we'd like to open it again. It's just such a it's such an entirely different business model that doesn't fit into the existing business model that it needed its own space of which we don't have at the moment. But long story short, the UPS guy hated me, like openly was hostile to me. 
It <laughs> just every day, uh, the pickup would come at four thirty, <clears throat> and there would be like fifty packages waiting for him um, out in front of the building, and not one of them weighed less than like twenty pounds. <laughs> He's just like, "I hate you. You suck." <laughs> just yeah, uh, and I think I broke several UPS guys because it was like the route you didn't want to have, or like the punishment route. <laughs> so I kept I kept going through UPS guys <laughs> every day. There's a new UPS guy. What'd you do to get here? Oh, I Send told the boss guy. to go. Yeah, I told the boss to suck it. Now I'm running this route. <laughs> oh, congratulations! Here's 50 board feet, uh, and here's another 50 board feet. And can you hang on a second? I got 100 board feet coming your way. Yeah, it's a McElvain hazing like ritual. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. But uh, well, yeah, I think the, the Bill Forest model, where you can get the wood already sized and and surfaced, mm -hmm. really lends to that that whole e-commerce version. You know, oh, I'm yeah. not ordering, uh, you know, building supplies and having UPS deliver it for the most part, unless it's small amounts. I need a I need three pallets of cinder blocks. Well, the UPS guy's not going to bring that. I got to order yeah. it local. Yeah. And I think it well, falls into that kind of category. And and I remember um, I visited Bell Forest. Well, yeah, I had them on the show. That was an actual in-person recording. And I remember, um, like I said earlier with Hardwood to Go, it needed its own space. It needed its own inventory system and its its, its own employees, frankly. And um, going to Bell Forest and seeing, it's like a freaking library. Like it is so organized. The inventory is down to the stick and watching how things flow in and flow out, you know, flow in like I would see it at, at, at the lumberyard where I work, flowing in on, on pallets and large trucks and things like that, processing it, you know, milling it into S4S material, in some instances, cutting it down to shippable links, and then going on the shelves and like walking through the shelves. It reminds me of walking through the stacks of a library. It was amazing. Um, the, the amount of, of, work that it went in to get that organizational system so that it is an efficient way to to actually pull material or main it, manage your online inventory was truly truly eye-opening um i know we said cool. that i've never been to a lumber yard but if bell forest counts um i have i recently a year or so ago ordered a random assortment of blanks i said i've got some knives i need handles and they sent me a you know mystery box of miscellaneous pieces and almost every single one of them was the right dimension which yeah. i i thought was amazing like they knew kind of what i needed and customized that order yeah yeah i mean they've got a full wood shop downstairs um and in many instances it's kind of like you know as as hobby woodworkers we have to be really, really agile and you can't really have dedicated setups in your shop because it's rare that you're building the same thing twice. But when you truly specialize and you know you're gonna be producing like four different things, you can get hyper specialized with your machinery. Brian Boggs, the Boggs um, shops are a good example of just the, the crazy router jigs that he's come up with because he always makes these, you know, compound tenons on bent forms and things like that. So he's been able to invent, in some instances, highly specialized tooling to do a very specialized thing. Belforest is very much the same way, just specialized is specific sizing. So they have like a permanent stop set on one chop saw that they just, they know all their pool cue blanks because they do a lot of pool cue. Um, that's actually kind of where they got started 
because uh, uh, bird's eye is really, really popular. Bird's eye maple, super popular in pool cue blanks. Well, there's a lot of it in the upper peninsula of Michigan. So they have like a station that all day long just batches out pool cue links. Um, and they have like, you know, a planer set up that essentially uh, has, a, has a, a detent, a stop on it, set to make pool cue blanks. So you run it through one side, rotate it 90 degrees, run it through again, and then go over to the chop saw and you you chop it down and now you've got, you know, six pool cue blanks. I would assume they have the same thing with something like, you know, pen blanks and knife scales and things like that because they've gotten to the point where here's a market and we're selling a lot for it. It's, it's really kind of cool to see that production side of things um, downstairs in the, in the bowels of Belfort. It was kind of neat. Do, do I detect a little bit of power tool envy? <laughs> Uh, you know, it is funny. Um, I really have no desire to have them in my own shop. Um, but it is really cool to see a, um, an efficiently run, uh, millwork house or lumber yard or something like that. And the automation and things that can come up from that in order to produce just massive amounts of, of whatever it is, flooring Consistency. or siding. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, we are um, in the process of renovating our mill and, well, renovating, tearing it down and rebuilding it entirely. And it's really fun to be able to think like with a blank slate and how we can reorganize things to have things flow through through the floor uh, much more efficiently. So, yeah, some of the so it is I guess I have no desire to have like a table saw in my shop, but if I could have like a fully optimized like automatic rip saw <laughs> that would take up the entire footprint that is the property of my house that would be kind of cool you know it's kind of like yeah, the same like, reason I, I when i bought a planer i decided to just go ahead and buy a 20 inch planer like why would i buy the, what is the tool they use i think it's a double double bladed rip saw yeah that you just set the width and you can run the boards through and then everything is a set width six yeah. eight whatever yeah it's a gang those are saw. nice yeah. yeah and i think it, as hobbyists being able to see the tools that are in use in a production shop can really kind of make you think about how how your process goes and where your efficiencies may may not be. Yeah. You know, yeah. whether it's just moving stuff or stacking it or learning how to spend three weeks making something, a bunch of something, and then batch them all through in stages rather than one or two at a time kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and seeing it in, in action kind of really think sets it in your mind. Yeah, I, the the this stuff on the the other extreme, like you know the lumber processing facilities that can be seen from space, <laughs> those are amazing because there's like two guys running the whole thing. It is fully automated. You know the the scans and the visual recognition and weights and things that that sort essentially collate boards along um, this conveyor belt. <clears throat> so logs go in. And seven different types of boards come out the other end. And it just runs all day long. Run by Joe and Steve, <laughs> those two guys. Yeah. And they're not even lifting anything. They're just monitoring the machines. You know, they're you making sure. Wanna, you just want to hear Powerhouse playing in the background. Like, <laughs> exactly. Funny. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, all, all Joe and Steve do is monitor it and make sure it doesn't become self-aware. You know, and call itself Skynet because that's really that's the worry, right? Is the this, this automated? Yeah, tree net. There we go. 
Um, but yeah, it's, it's really amazing to watch that stuff. And you're right. You learn a lot about efficiency. <clears throat> you also learn a lot about, um, where the efficiency kind of bites you in the butt. Um, cause you try to apply some of that into like, uh, like a one man shop building one piece of furniture at a time and okay, I'm going to batch all this stuff out. And then it like warps and cups like crazy on you. By the time you actually get to join it, you're like, son of a, shouldn't have done that. So yeah, it is, it's, it is particularly interesting, but it's fascinating. Yeah. Look at that. We're decidedly off topic, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, I do that a lot. I'm sorry. Yeah. Started I'm with a, tangent. started with a love letter to Bell Forest. And now we're, um, we've, we've, quoted um charles schultz and early bugs bunny um soundtracks <laughs> chuck jones chuck jones not charles schultz that's the peanuts guy chuck jones there is a great biography or is an autobiography i don't remember of chuck jones the um and uh it has a foreword by frizz feeling anybody who doesn't know who these people are needs to go watch looney tunes um but that there is a whole chapter in that book that talks about powerhouse and the score for that and um just how Frizz Freeling was like over the moon about that. He's like, this is great. We're going to use this in every episode from now on. Oh, it's a great tune. I mean, how many of us learned, you know, uh, opera from Bugs Bunny, you know, <laughs> right? The, right. the power of mass media and, and getting it into sort of a pop culture. So somebody is aware of a little thing, you know, like that. It's amazing. And Chuck Jones was what man of a thousand voices. Yeah, absolutely. What I love is going back to the early, early, early episodes when um, Bugs Bunny was a nationalist racist, <laughs> you know, into the wartime episodes, and you're like, oh, yeah, it doesn't were. hold up today. <laughs> Daffy yeah, Duck, and, I'm sorry, Donald Duck, and, and the Disney stuff, and yeah. Superman. Superman was. Superman was a chauvinist racist. <laughs> it's crazy. Go to 1950s radio dramas of Superman, um, 1940s radio dramas. It's like, wow. Yeah, it does not. If he's bulletproof, why does he always dodge the gun when they throw the gun? <laughs> well, I don't know. I guess, I guess he he likes to make make us feel like we have a chance. I don't know. He wants to be human. They probably didn't anyway. have a rubber gun. Yeah, probably. <laughs> All right, we should talk about lumber. Maybe that would uh, be a this good is idea. the tangent show. The next <laughs> one will be about lumber. Yes, right. Good point. So um, let's let's start kind of broad spectrum here. Um, do you have, let's see, so as you go on the hunt for lumber, and I imagine it's just kind of an ongoing thing. You just kind of keep your ear to the ground, keep your eye open, choose your favorite cliche here. So any any kind of um, mindset or any, any particular um, tactics that you use to kind of keep an eye out for that deal? So, and this does not apply just for lumber. You know, I've got many tools this way as well, but it's always a matter of knowing who you are and where you what you know what you've got on your end and what you can looking for what you can do with it you know in the case of lumber you know do you say you come across something do you know what it is can mm-hmm. you use it can you haul it i mean is it 12 by 12 15 foot long is that going to fit in your prius you know can you store it um, do you know somebody who can use it can you dry it if it's wet um, do you have friends that you can call upon who are fellow woodworkers or fellow appreciators that you can uh, bring into this? Um, and are you okay just sort of walking away? You know, we, as you said in 
one of your previous episodes, I think it was the last two, you even said it, driving down 95 and there's all those logs on the side of the road and you just like, you know, I should come back with a trailer after dark. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe help myself there. And that's, you know what, maybe that's not such a good idea. You know, because <laughs> not just because I can't load it in the car myself, a truck myself, you know. Tommaso um, does not represent the views of the Lumber Update podcast. Oh, you're saying we should stop. I'm just I'm saying, saying, let's I'm saying not encourage be, people to break the law and go into these roadside oh, no, no. things because I guarantee it, you that's probably illegal. I'm not. I'm not exactly it sure. Most <laughs> certainly is, if for no other reason that you are illegally stopped. Yeah. Yeah. Good reason. point. You're out of your car on a highway. Bad idea. Yeah. But the idea of, like you said, keeping your eyes open and and assessing it as you're going past. Hey, the neighbor took down their big cherry tree. Well, maybe I should stop by and ask if I can buy the log. Yeah. or what they're going to do with it. Maybe even if I help cut it up for firewood, they'll let me have some of the bigger sections. Where are the, what am I willing to offer in exchange? You know, going to a retail yard, lumber yard, whatever, is a perfectly viable option if, you know, it works for you. If, you know, you're guaranteed a certain quality, guaranteed a certain quantity, it, are you willing to trade price for sweat? Are you willing yeah. to trade price for giving up a Saturday hunting it down you know so there is there is a lot with that and people skills come into it um personal skills you know much like anything else in life who you know what you know how you can do it that kind of stuff i think it's important you you mentioned you know the the ability to walk away but kind of on that same vein you need to recognize that it's not all going to work out like that, that sweat equity to, to quote Habitat for Humanity, that that's why lumber is expensive, right? There is a lot of labor that goes from log to board um, and an enormous amount of waste. So depending on where you're getting into the game and who you're buying from and what condition you're, you're buying it in, you kind of can't afford to be too precious with it because it's not all going to turn into usable lumber. You're going to have yeah. to burn some of it. You're going to have to get, you know, you're not going to be able to use it all. Um, and, and hanging on to it and hanging on to it and hanging on to it, it's not going to do anybody any good. Everything has a value um, and a, a worth that you assign to it. So, hey, that log there, that is worth this amount to me because it's going to cost me to haul it. It's going to cost me to get it cut up. It's going to cost me to dry it and all the waste, you know, and maybe the person who has it wants something for it, you know. You, you need to kind of understand what you're looking at and, and all the ways that it's going to come back uh, to be useful to you and give those things values sort of like variables in a formula sure. uh, so that you can say, you know what, this thing is only worth $50 to me because it's going to cost me 150 to get it cut up and everything else and I can go buy it for a slightly more than that. Yeah, we've all had those tools or or whatever. It's like I can, I can fix it up for four hundred dollars. Yeah, but it's a twenty five dollar tool. Yeah, yeah, but I can still fix it up for four hundred. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. You know, let's not pride get in the way, kind of thing. Right. So <clears throat> we're we're talking. You know, we we've we've talked about you know logs on the side of the road and things like that. Um, I think that's one of those things where um, once you start noticing them you see them everywhere um there are logs down in people's yards you'll hear the chainsaws of the local tree removal company if you're willing you know 
as you say, depending on, on, on what they might need for it. If you're just, if you're just willing to go and talk to somebody really, because <laughs> surprisingly in today's, this day and age, that can be a big step <laughs> getting out of your house and going to talk to someone. Um, I and mean, you'll you can, find them on like Craigslist and other sites. Um, we wait for like when storms come through, hurricanes wash up through, you know, uh, these coasts. Right. All right. Let's put our, let's put our, our uh, acquisition hat on and go hunting for trees that come down, you know? So I think I think it's well established that it's pretty easy to find logs. Um, do you have a sawmill? We do. And okay. to be honest, if you have the space and the means, and of course having a sawmill is its own separate hobby, much like gathering lumber is its own hobby, and buying tools is its own hobby. They're just sort of adjacent to woodworking. But um, I mean, you can get a half decent sawmill for 1500 bucks 2000 mm-hmm. uh we have a norwood which is we've been very happy with um and uh, we even got it i think they sent it in 18 boxes and we assembled it my dad and i um because it was cheaper that way and easier and we kind of got a much more intimate uh, understanding of how it all works kind of fun too right yeah it was a, it was an interesting experience you know yelling at my dad to do what i told him to do for the first time in my life, you know, um, and the freedom that it grants you, I mean, much like when you get a pickup truck, everybody has to move all of a sudden and they want you to help. Yeah. As soon as you have a sawmill, Hey, I got some logs. Do you want them? Can you help cut these up for me? You know, you uh, can get some splits out of logs. If somebody's bringing you some, you know, 50, 50, what have you. That's interesting. Um, so that, that becomes a sourcing tool in and of itself, you know, just make it known you have a sawmill and suddenly the logs come to you in some ways. And you can go, I mean, if you're going to go into sawing professionally or whatever, yeah, you can go spend 60 grand on a high-end, like, wood miser. But the yeah. lower-end ones where you have to walk it or they have the crank like Matt's fancy one does mm-hmm. um, and of various widths and understanding how you can do it. But it's um, it's not a really big uh, uh, investment. I mean, you need the space, you need the time, you need the money, but it's every hobby, really. Right. So what can you do with it? What can you get back out of it? You know, is your wife okay with it? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think in the end, the biggest limitation is the space, you know. Well, and and like, are you going to piss off the neighbors, frankly? Like, do you have not only the space physically to put it in, but like the space to run it without angering the entire neighborhood? Are there covenants that are going to prevent you from, you know, essentially, essentially running a chainsaw all day long while you run the thing? Um, Yeah, and and Alaskan mills fall into that too, yeah. Right. I mean, and to be perfectly honest, that has the thing that has kept me from going full Cremona. Um, and, and that is a verb now that is actual to Cremona. Um, I just don't physically have the space. I, you know, I, I sit in a typical suburban neighborhood on a little bit more than an acre size lot. I technically physically have the space that I could put it like smack in the middle of my yard and have no lawn anymore. And that would probably be okay. But my neighbors would hate me. My wife would not go for that <laughs> at all. Um, you need to you need to have that. Um, but once you have that, you're right. Like I've I've seen brand new um, sawmills, like on the on the ground type sawmills. You're right, fifteen hundred bucks. Um, and then there's a whole used market for that as well. So yeah, it's not a it's not a massive investment. The bigger investment is the other stuff around it, the the space yeah, to be and- able to operate it and everything. They retain most of their value. So, you know, right. go out, you spend the five grand, maybe you've got a couple acres in the middle of nowhere, you want to timber it, you go through it and you're done. You know, this is a job now at this point, it sounds like, or a really 
heavy hobby, you're all done. You can go, you can sell it. You've got all that lumber that you could then do whatever with. Now, of course, you need to be able to move it, haul it, stack it, dry it, you know, all that fun stuff, which are associated with that as a means of acquisition. Right. Yeah. Well, and then there's a whole other source there as well. Um, actually, as of the recording of this, I just released the episode yesterday, but the uh, company Cambium Carbon that I interviewed, um, they are connecting urban logs with people who have sawmills. So, I mean, you can essentially talk to that particular company and say, I have a sawmill and, and kind of register yourself um, with them as I am here. Here's my zip code. I have a sawmill. Yes, I'd be open to taking logs. And then there is a company that's actually buying logs from cities and then, you know, selling them to to sawmill owners. So there's a there's a and, and I bring that up because it's kind of a new business model. It's not a new business model, obviously, to buy logs and sell them, but a new source, a repurposing of a waste stream that for sawmill owners can start to tap into um, and use that. It's as well. a legitimate middleman. You know, instead exactly. of me pulling yeah. off to the side of the road and asking the, the local maintenance guys, local county guys, if like I can have those logs. And they're like, oh, you got to talk to a supervisor. Right. Or the tree guy is coming through and then you're trying to bribe them to drop the logs off on your house and on your yard. You mm-hmm. know, this is more legitimate source. Now, it, is everybody part of it? No, but it's a moving towards that where, you know, yeah. you could still go and <clears throat> case in point. A stop at the local park to hit the pokey stops back when I was playing that and there's stacks of logs there because they're cleaning out some trees and so I I emailed the mayor of this little borough and said can are these you know local I'm a woodworker I've got a mill with my dad are you getting rid of these could I have some and he's like you could have all the hickory uh, the red oak is for the guy cutting them down so we came back loaded the trailer up now we got a pile of, of oak lo- uh, hickory logs and hmm. uh, it doesn't hurt to ask and, you know, being polite and friendly. Um, does that mean they're going to call me whenever they have some? If he remembers, but he may not be mayor then. Yeah. But, you know, you can also pay it forward and turn a bowl at a hickory and drop it off mm-hmm. the mayor's office, you know. And, you know, you might get the key to the city, depending on how small that city is. <laughs> but, yeah. A small key. Yeah. Yeah, or you could make a key out of hickory and give it to them. And it's one of the things that I – on that grand list I wrote up is that, you know, somebody's got trees that they're taking down in the yard. It's on Craigslist because they're getting rid of firewood. If you you reach out to them and, of course, you're polite and friendly and, you know, let them know you're a woodworker. Sometimes they let you in first to get the bigger pieces. Um, And I've kind of made it a point when I have to, when I do that kind of stuff is, you know, obviously leaving it better than I found it, making sure that I didn't make a mess and that they're happy with what I have done to their yard. Um, and when at the time I, I had chickens, so I was neck deep in eggs. So, Hey, here's a dozen farm fresh eggs. Thank you for letting me do this. And my card, if you or any of your friends are bringing any of the trees down, I'm, I'm always open. You know, you kind of ingratiate yourself with the community. Yeah. That's really cool. So let's move because I, I can hear the, the, the subset of listeners going, but I don't have a sawmill or I don't want to deal with logs. I want well, lumber. <laughs> the nice thing with sawmills is that if, um, of course, they're going to be listed locally. Uh, in, well, we used to have yellow pages. We don't have those anymore. But uh, you can go to any of the big company sites, Norwoods, Woodmeyers, and a few others. And if you're looking for a referral, like they, 
people who buy them can offer themselves up as sort of a shower showcase. So they get a referral bonus if you were to buy one because of them. So here's everybody in your area who has a sawmill who is willing to show it off and talk about it. Mm-hmm. Well, great. That's one way to find them. Yeah. Um, sometimes They're probably also willing matter. to saw logs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I got this log I brought with. Could you cut it up and show me how this works for free? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, but you can always keep an eye out. And if you're talking to other woodworkers in the area or um, you're seeing people with logs down and then the logs gone, you know, you could always ask maybe that somebody you don't know about has one or something. Sure. You know, it's all about being kind of aware of your environment. Right. So what about the folks that just don't want to deal with all that crap and they just want to buy boards? Roughs on, as for us, I don't care. I just want to buy boards. What have been your tactics for that? Well, let me, actually, let me back up a little bit. And, you know, initially you characterized that you hadn't been to a lumber yard in 20 years, but yet you've accrued this stash of 30,000 board feet. When did you get the sawmill? Six, eight, uh, 12,000 board feet ago. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> nice. nice. Uh, probably about six or eight years. Okay. Um, so uh, that was that was kind of what I was thinking in the back of my mind. So there's obviously, there was a substantial amount of time. Now, I'm pretty sure now that you have a sawmill, your primary tactic is look for logs because, you know, there, there's a little bit more of that that ownership, sense of ownership and that journey that you've, you've started with the log. If, if it were me, that would be my primary focus as well. But obviously there was a large time there where you weren't buying logs you were looking for for boards Um, well it's a as i said there's a value in the worth and yeah you know when you have a a stash it's like oh there's a pile of oak boards you know i got i got more than enough oak boards you know oh they don't want a whole lot for it well you know what suddenly now i'm interested (laughs) now i have more oak boards (laughs) like the the value the worth of it drops is not zero because it's always I can use it for something or I know somebody who can use it, you know, passing it on to other woodworkers. Sure. Um, so, yeah, we cut a lot. Um, and really when I'm out looking, like you just can't get rid of the Pennsylvania Dutch salvager, you know, the scavenger. I, I still slow down when I see dumpsters because it's like, ooh, what's in there? Not that I advocate <laughs> that because it is illegal. But, you know, the, the idea of it's trash day. What if people are throwing out? Oh, I could use the top off of that table or those are really nice legs. I could use them for something like you never kind of get rid of that. But to your question, the main place that I have found most of my lumber is auctions, which I know a great many of the listeners, you know, know about and have some of them hit them because we have discussed them on the various groups and such. And there are many resources online for finding local ones, um, usually by zip code and category, mm-hmm. um, as well as, I mean, you'll see the signs in your neighborhood, but a lot of them, especially during COVID times, have started offering uh, online versions. Uh, they'll do a webcast for their auction or they'll just do an online, you know, you've got 15 days to bid and then it closes with, you know, at a certain time. Right. Um, tends to be more towards tools, but sometimes you'll see lumber. Um, well, that was going to be my next question. Any any particular tips for like, I mean, yeah, you're right. You can find auctions. Just just go to Google and say, you know, auctions near me. It will autocomplete for you. I guarantee you. And you'll find lots of things, you know, punching in your zip code. Have you been able to kind of figure out, yeah, that's not one I'm interested in or Ooh, here's one, you know, and specifically 
uh, when we're looking for lumber, um, any, any kind of buzzwords or, or, um, <coughs> you know, this makes you sit up and listen when you see this type of auction. So I, I use, uh, auction zip, um, it's not a paid promotion, um, because it does tend to dump a lot of them into that. And it's, it's important. Um, so say you search for lumber and is it, what's coming up is it a building supply auction is it uh, is it a slab auction like this guy was a slab buyer and he's selling off his stock or a, a woodworker who passed away versus just a regular estate like a farm sale or something because each of those is going to tell you the type of other buyers that are going to be there mm-hmm. you know if i go to a slab auction it's going to be woodworkers and people who deal with slabs if it's a building supply well, you're going to have more contractors, so your uh, your PNA will go for a lot more. Versus if you know if there's a pile of walnut mixed in, that might go for dirt cheap. Yeah. Um, if it's a woodworker's estate, maybe the woodworker has retired and he's selling off. Unfortunately, usually they pass, and it's the wife or the family selling off the stuff. And yeah, there'll be other woodworkers there, but they may be looking more at the tools. Um, yeah. And so you you got like a fairly good shot of decent wood if you play it correctly. Um, and of your generic estate sale, if it has lumber, um, I mean, I usually go through the pictures because sometimes stuff isn't listed and you can see it in the pictures in the background, right. <laughs> like get a little CSI on that. Um, and if, if it's not in the list, people aren't going to be going there looking specifically for it. So sometimes you can snag a deal that way. Um, right. I have a couple like local fishing holes that I, I've hit and I've done pretty well with, um, you know, it kind of depends. Sure. But these are these are ones that you these are in-person ones for the most part, and which is good because you want to, you know, look through the piles, look to see if there's imperfections. Uh, as I said, what is it? Can you identify it? Because it, it's maple as, as maple. Yeah, but is it hard or soft? Mm-hmm. This is oak. No, this is sassafras. You know, it kind of looks <laughs> yeah. similar. You know, um, can you use it? Because, oh, it's it's 150 board feet. I need 35. You know, I'm not paying for the whole thing. Yeah, you know, or it's 150 board feet, but it's in one inch wide strips. Right. Yeah. Which, yes, we all know you can glue it back together, but again, there is a cost associated with that. What can you build that's going to end up looking like a bowling alley floor? In other words, right. It's a it's a it's a 10 by 10 timber. Well, I could just cut it apart. You, you could. Um, yeah. And of course, giving the value of that. And then, as I say, if, when you're there, and um, you know, if there's multiple piles out, you know kind of watching your crowd around you what are people paying the most attention to is it the same six guys checking out with these piles like okay maybe they really want that walnut because like you can sort of see um what's drawing the people um usually in the auctions they start at one end and they work their way back and forth like mowing the grass well if the thing you want is at the very beginning it'll probably go for a fair amount if it's at the very end they might pay you to take it away yes yeah. everybody else has left um is it is it raining? You know, do people staying home because the weather's lousy or it's cold? Um, are there three other auctions within 30 miles that people might be drawn away towards? You know, these are all kind of parts of the variables. Um, and of course, paying attention to the, the auctioneer when it comes up to these lots, who is, I'm going to presume it's a he, who are they looking at? Who is he eyeing up as his bidders that he knows are going to bid? Um, how is he selling the, you know, it's a pile, it's four piles of 10 boards of walnut. Is he selling the whole lot? Is he selling it by the pile? 
is he selling it by the piece in the pile? So, you know, however many I said, 10 boards in a pile, mm-hmm. are you buying the whole thing by the pile? You know, what's, what are the, what are the modifiers, the, the multipliers for the price? And, um, and I always say is like, even if it's, you're not interested, you know, bid in low, you know, just so he recognizes that you're interested in lumber. So he maybe starts looking towards you more. Uh, he might be inclined to be uh, quicker to, uh, uh, you know, okay, just sold. Dude, this guy right. wants it for 15 bucks. Take it done. Um, and yeah. we got 300 other items to get through. Let's, let's yeah, speed you know, this he'll up. Be quick. He knows you want it. And as well as, okay, it's this pile of lumber. He'll start like super high and then he'll cut it in half and he'll keep cutting it down until people start, start nibbling and never fails. He'll get really low and then 15 guys throw up their hands and now suddenly the price is shot up because he, he just takes all their bids. So seeing where that is and it's like, okay, everybody starts bidding around 20 bucks on this pile. And you know what? I'm going to jump in at like 40 and kind of scare the rest away, like kind of assert my dominance over the other bidders. Um, which not the way you normally would, which we're not allowed to do either. Um, <laughs> and uh, kind of hold your own, but, you know, also, like I said, no one wanted to like, you know what, I don't, I don't need it that bad. I'll let this guy have it. Or this guy's buying the whole pile, the whole lot. And then afterwards, you're like, dude, can I buy like three boards off you? You know, I'll give you a couple bucks or whatever you want for them. You know, sometimes they let you. And of course, returning the favor if you bought the whole pile. It's actually a pretty interesting tactic, like show up to the auction, not planning to to bid on anything, but, you know, do a little deal after the fact. That's actually, I imagine that could be pretty effective, especially if you're only looking for two or three boards or something like that. I went to the, this one last summer. It was like, all I want is the pallet racking. I don't care about the lumber on it because I got enough lumber. And as they're selling it and the auctioneer, and it was near the end of the day, he gets to him and he's selling, and this is a nine foot wide shelf you know three foot high or whatever pallet racking and he's selling a shelf full of wood and the guys are picking and choosing this guy because it's got a couple boards of mahogany so that one goes for a lot and oh they're going for this and they're back and forth and it comes down to like the last two or three and nobody wants them and i finally said you know what yeah i'll give you 25 bucks which is way dirt cheap and it's like okay and i got all three of them and the guy next to me goes can i buy that one off you it's like sure and he gave me like 10 bucks so i made more than my third of my money back and you know it, i didn't have to load it and yeah. it was i just really wanted the shelves but i wanted the lumber to be done so i could move on and at that price he couldn't pass it up hmm. interesting so uh with that in mind any uh any like success like uh the, the this was the best day you have any uh anecdotes from your options Several years ago, my dad and I went to, it was an estate for a guy who passed away on his farm. It was, uh, he had turned a lot of his farmland into vineyards, which was kind of cool. And we're there and I'm, st- I'm just watching and there's a pile of walnut, you know, probably a couple hundred board feet. It was like five feet high, but they were like four foot boards and six inches wide and like three or four racks. It was quite a substantial pile. And I'm standing there and I'm like, he's like, Blah, 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 blah. It's like, it's like 15 bucks. I was like, okay, you sure I'll start you off. I'll, I'll, I'll contribute to the auction. Nobody wanted it. So I got it. I was like, oh, and then there was another pile and another pile and then another pile. And then there was a pile of pine and that went for like several hundred dollars. And then there was another pile of walnut. Nobody else wanted. And I bid on that and I won it. And I hear a voice over the back of my shoulders. My dad says, if you buy any more walnut, I'm leaving you here. 
<laughs> and so I stepped away, and then it moved to the lower part of this dairy barn, which was gorgeous. And the piles were going for like a couple of bucks, and they were just like loose, giant, like garbage heap piles full of lumber of all sorts, and filled up. And it took us three trailer loads to get it all home. Like we had to go back and forth a few times and it took me about a week to sort it all out. And it was almost all walnut with some oaks and stuff. And, uh, which I ended up using most of it to do flooring for my house. I found a millwork and cause it was cheaper than buying hardwood lumber. I think I spent $300. Wow. And it's just right. like, I, I got to the point where the son who was doing the auction, I, I apologized to him for everything going so cheap. I was like, I will make you something. I will be more than happy to use this lumber to make something for you because it belonged to your father and such. Like, I felt so bad. Um, <laughs> like, I, I, I should have been arrested for stealing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's that's the risk of an auction, right? But, you know, you're, you're right. At the same time, it's like, if it didn't go there, eventually they would pay somebody to haul it away. Um, somebody would have taken it for dirt cheap and probably just crushed it in the mulch. Yeah. You know, and as a, a bit of a wood snob, you know, I've been ones where I bid on it because I know the guy who wants it. He's talked about like this farmer kid wants this again, walnut log, walnut boards to use on his hay wagon. And I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> I start, I start shaking. I'm like, I will give you Oak in exchange. Don't use it. Like, ah! um, so there are times where it's like, I, I, you get, you pay too much. You're like, I get caught up in the moment, and then it's like, well, okay, I, that was about double what I should have paid. For, yeah, but you for me. you just you just brought up an interesting tactic. I mean, barter. Uh, yeah. I mean, if if you're there and you're all milling about and you know having a conversation, and you find out that, and granted, everybody kind of keeps their cards close to their vest because you're all potential competitors, right? But I mean, there's you, you, people of of the same ilk kind of grouped together, and you you start talking, you find out this guy's here looking for, you know, I'm really looking for some pine, or I'm looking for some oak. In the back of your mind, you're thinking, my God, I've got more oak. I just need to get rid of some of my oak. And then you just say, well, hey. I've got some oak, so, you know, maybe, uh, yeah, you, you work out a little thing on the side or you see what he bought and you go out to him after the fact and say, hey, I know you're looking for oak. I got some. Yeah, that's actually, you know, what's the what's the expression? You got to spend money to make money. You got to have lumber to make lumber, right? So, yeah, and in it's, itself. Um, I mean, technically collusion is a crime in the sense of like, well, I'm not going to bid on it so you can get it, but um, you don't have to vocalize that you could just be like right. well this guy seems interested so i'm just going to wait and because you know he and i kind of have a relationship now we've chatted maybe we talked about the wood um or he's wearing a jacket that has his company name on it so we're talking about that but it's also at the same time as like just the environment around you in that well the neighbor across the street has these trees or he's a farmer or something and he's you know hey you know you need some boards for your hay wagon as the example and you're bringing down these oak, you know, I'll trade you or, or whatever. Um, so it's, you know, that, that the bartering and, and wheeling and dealing, mm-hmm. as I'm sure Mark would put it. Very nice. So let's, let's move away from auctions a little bit. I think we've, we've, we've beat that one. That's a really good source. And I'm glad you brought it up because I personally have not done that. Um, it's a, it can be very imposing. It can be very, uh, very scary. You're like, Oh my God, I just bought this. How am I getting this home? Right. Um, and at the same time, it can be like, like you've just won the race, like yeah. you found the secret, um, or you just wasted a day. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's hit or miss sometimes. 
very true. So, uh, what other what other uh, avenues have you discovered outside so of? So we talked about buying logs, logs in Austin. Yeah. And um, as I said, you know, everybody knows that you're a woodworker. They want you to make something, but you can tell them because look, this is what wood costs. So if you see logs coming down, or you see people selling boards, or you've got friends, that's the exchange. You know, if you want from me, I want from you. You know, it, it's. It's not it's not um, extorting. <laughs> it's hmm. it's this is what I need to make these things. And if you're not going to pay me for the, the raw material, maybe you can provide me some version of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and usually it comes through. It's like, hey, I've got these logs. Um, can you do because I don't want to bring a guy in because it's not enough for them to be worth the cost. We'll throw them on a trailer, bring them up and then, you know, swap out, make something, you know, percentage kind of deal. Um, and, and as we said, all about making friends with the local tree removal guys, um, you know, Hey, you got a firewood guy and, you know, look, a quart of firewood is like 1500 board feet, something like that. And that sounds right. so if he's, what's a quart of firewood cost your way? I don't even know if you burn wood, you probably don't in your little, uh, little Honestly, area. I haven't bought firewood in years because I had a red oak tree taken down, an enormous red oak tree taken down on my property, and I'm still working my way through that. <laughs> so I couldn't even tell you. I haven't bought firewood in probably 10 years. I think it's about 195 or 200 bucks up here, but if it's $300, that's like 20 cents a board foot. So if you go to the firewood guy, like, hey, you got a nice oak log, I'll pay you per foot because you'll, he'll make more money selling the log to you than splitting it you know, bucking it and splitting it and drying it uh, at 20 cents a, a board foot, you know, you'll pay them $20 for a log, Yeah. you know, you know, that's a way. And then he, he can keep an eye and set that side stuff aside from you. You know, maybe if it's like, Hey, look, I'll come up and help once a month or once, you know, every couple of weeks and, you know, I'll trade my sweat equity for preferential treatment. Um, there are sites like uh, chip drop, which I think you had mentioned, where you can request them to dump off wood chips or logs. You know, if the local mm-hmm. tree guys are working and they just want a place to dump off, you can do that. I mean, like I said, every time I see them, I, I stop by and ask them, um, what's in your area? People taking down trees, as we said. Uh, Habitat for Humanity, one of the ones near me, had a wood shop. And it would, volunteers would come in and they would make stuff. And I had stopped in to see them. And check him out and say hello. We introduce myself, kind of be friendly. And the guy was like, "Well, we've got wood for sale downstairs." And he takes me down and this this vast assortment of people donating leftover materials. And he's like, "Well, we can't use most of it because it's too nice. If I make a little bookshelf out of mahogany, people aren't going to buy it because they think it should be more expensive. I make it out of pine and paint it. They'll buy right. that for." far more than it's worth so we've got stacks of stuff down here or houses that we've built we've taken the trees down and had them milled and so that cost me you know i i gave a donation that was a a a reasonable exchange of you know i got some like maple slabs um which i you know they're big and heavy i use them every now and again but um that was an exchange of, of obviously currency but Habitat had a lot, and uh, I never knew they had a sawmill or a workshop mm-hmm. before that point. Yeah, and you I think know. that's pretty common, actually. I've run into that as well, where they have a um, an actual wood shop. Um, 
uh, it was kind of, I don't know whether it was a habitat wide initiative, but you know, certainly they're known for building homes, you know, volunteers come in and build homes and they found that that, um, intimidated some people, Hey, I really want to help, but I don't know anything about building homes. Um, and it was another outlet for volunteers because Habitat for Humanity is actually turning away volunteers. There's lots of people interested and they just don't have enough work for the number of people. So they were saying, well, what else can we do with these people? Um, yeah, and you need something to go in the house. Yeah, yeah. And it was a whole other, um, whole other product stream for them. So I think it's actually more common than not that your local Habitat for Humanity will have some sort of workshop. Um, to, to do whatever they do with it. I had not thought about that, but uh, yeah, they're salvaging stuff at the same time. It's yeah, salvage is a big one. Um, you know, they're doing uh, power pole replacements. So the, the big, you know, two or three poles together for the big long runs uh, around here. And uh, obviously you don't want to use telephone poles because they're all kinds of nastiness. But, you know, we asked them for what they dropped and the cross members some of them are fur, like an eight by eight of fur, like six, seven feet long. Right. Now it's heavily weathered on the outer three quarters of an inch, but it's gorgeous quarter sawn or well, it's a, it's a half a tree. So it's, you know, quarter sawn on two sides. Um, timbers. Okay. Wow. And that most sawmill, most of your band saws in your shops, unless you have a really small one, you could probably trim that down or find some way to do it with the table saw and such. So, they were just throwing it away. Hmm. You know, there are places like there are ways of doing it. Like this is where the scavenger comes in. You know, <laughs> like I said, oh, they're throwing that table away. Well, those leaves are red oak, or they you just see the leaves out front because they got rid of the table ten years ago and they finally cleaning out. Right, um, the leaves are in the attic somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Or you go to a farmer farmer market or a yard sales, and there's leftover bits of flooring, uh, pieces like that, that you can, even if it's small, cause you're doing small things, but, and on small things, if you're making small boxes, firewood lengths can be used, sure. you know, cause you're only going to need 12 inches or 14 inches and standard firewood is 16 or 18. So there are, if you're willing to do some work, if you're willing to kind of be creative and clever, you can kind of find stuff that way. Um, even if you do find a sawmill guy around you and you're like, look, I want some boards. I ain't got no locks. Like, but if I come along with you and I help you, can we like work out some sort of, you know, you hook me up kind of deal. Right. Or you got other woodworkers that, you know, you can go in and like you said, group buy. I'm thinking like group labor. Um, you know, maybe there's properties, like I said, the, what's around your office? My old office had giant red oak trees. As soon as one of them fell, all of the neighbors descended with chainsaws like they were cutting up a like vultures, cutting up a corpse. You know, I was trying to get the logs out. They took all the firewood. <laughs> I'm just I have this vision in my head of just this flock of chainsaw wielding hooligans <laughs> descending on a tree. <laughs> Bunch of circling, dust in the air. Around. And then when the dust clears, there's nothing left. <laughs> And if you've got, I mean, we make fun of pallets, people doing pallet stuff, but high-end pallets, especially the ones that are coming from overseas, uh, they tend to be made with higher-end, what we would consider exotic or higher-end woods. <laughs> it's it's just funny to use that term, higher-end. Like, it's higher-end us. You know, what's one man's trash is another man's treasure. Yeah, I have a yeah. I have a 4x4 four four, um, of Macassar Ebony in my shed 
that was Dunwich. It was a block that lumber was set on when it was put on the ship um, to, to move across the ocean. And it is incredibly low grade Macassar. Um, you know, there's there's all kinds of sapwood in there and there's some checking and there's some shaking. And I mean, it, it is it is a piece of crap Macassar log um, board. But just listen to that sentence. You know, I mean, <laughs> it's still Macassar Ebony. Um, and no, I can't use it for a long length of something, but I can't think of when I would ever do that in anything I built. I use it and you make, you know, drawer pulls out of it or, you know, a slight accent piece here or there, or I've ripped pieces off of it to turn it into stringing inlay and, you know, formed it into a, um, into banding. Um, and yeah, it, it was in the bottom of a container and it got put into a dumpster, straight from the container to the dumpster. So yeah, that type of stuff, those those pallets and things like that um, are made out of, you also can get some really interesting woods because yeah. they're either are lower grade or they're tertiary species that don't have export value in wherever that pallet was built. So you now have wood that just never makes it to this continent um, because it's, it's not a, a commercially a viable species. Um, it, it was in the way. Um, you know, there were three of these tiny little trees in the way of the big tree that was cut down for lumber. And these were taken down in order for, for access and they were turned into pallet materials. Yeah. There's some interesting yeah. stuff. Um, and we've, I've, we have discussed dumpsters and, and not going into them without permission. Um, but if you have local wood manufacturers, cabinet shops, you know, furniture makers or whatever, um, you can ask them if you, know, you can go through their scraps. Sometimes you can find big pieces. Um, I have gotten rejected kitchen cabinets from a cabinet shop because, you know, that's a big shop. You know, it's just the carcass, but it's good enough for me to make a table or a, a workbench on top of at least in my early days. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, we've got, hey, you got any scraps? Oh, we got these piles here. You know what? You just take the pile or buy the pile because it's all two foot pieces we can't use any of them um you know stuff like that uh, i have uh, what was the wood you had you finally gave me the name for it i always thought it was luan but it was a packing material used for truck beds it was like ella, ella something or, or apalia or something like that oh uh, well apatong yeah apatong um, yes crewing and apatong um, tend to be a little bit um yeah they're kind of the same thing kind of not but yeah the same product uh, a guy i had worked with he did part-time work at a place that did uh, beds for trucks and trailers and so mm-hmm. they had a lot of that appetine appetite yeah Q-N-G. and so he would just go into the dumpster because he was allowed to and he would bring out all of these scraps like two or three feet because he would use them for firewood it's it's uh, splits super easy. I mean, gives you splinters as soon as you look at it. But burns it, really it, hot though. <laughs> it burned really hot, so it's great for fire when it's already kiln dried. And so he gave me a couple pieces of it, and man, it's heavy, it's dense. But he had permission, and it was just going to wherever that dumpster was going to take it, landfill, incinerator, well, what have and you. And to be fair, these manufacturers, whether it's a lumber yard or millwork house or cabinet shop, they have to pay someone to haul that away. It just builds up and builds up. The dumpster continues to fill and, and they keep hoping they're going to find a use for it. But eventually they end up paying somebody. And, it, you know, it's not huge amounts. It's usually something like $25 a ton for a company to come in and haul it away. Um, I know my yard manager is just thrilled with the fact that we're not having to pay people to haul away 
our scraps because we we do try to funnel as much of it back into the boiler to power the kilns, but we just produce too much. Um, it's, it's dang kilns run too efficiently. We don't need that much dust. So we still have a lot of, of offcuts and we have fostered relationships with local guys. One of them, um, he's a, a, a crab house. He's a waterman, essentially bringing in crabs and everybody who comes to buy crabs from him buys little wooden crab mallets at the same time. And it's like the, the, um, the stick of gum at the checkout counter. It's an upsell, uh, an impulse buy. And he's got crab mallets made out of like African utile. Um, <laughs> and you think about a crab mallet, it's a, it's a, he's grabbing eight quarter offcuts, and they're coming right off of our grading chain. You know, as they come out of the kiln, the saw automatically saws off the, the last like eight inches because there's going to be a little bit of checking right out of the kiln there. And it drops onto a conveyor belt and runs up and dumps into a dumpster. So that dumpster, you know, depending on what we're grading that day, is generally a mono species dumpster. Um, we graded walnut today. We graded um, uh, utility today. So the dumpster fills up with these little chunks, you know, eight inches, 10 inches long. Many times they already have a crack in it um, or they've actually, when you cut it off, it just went ahead and broke into two parts because they're, they're um, cutting off kiln um, defect. It's still kiln dried lumber. And when what you're making is crab mallets, it's totally fine. So we've got, I think four guys now that essentially come and just haul away um, our stuff. Um, at, and- at worst, it's firewood. At best, it's whatever you can make. Maybe they're turning pens out of it or, yeah. or you know, mallet heads or something like you All said. All we care is we don't have to pay somebody to come and haul it away now. <laughs> I mean, if if you have uh, if you have the means and you have the desire, you could take sawdust and you, you know you press it into those presso logs. And that's a good alternative to firewood. Okay, I'm drawing if a line you- there. <laughs> Well, if you, I've tried it, I, it just wasn't worth the effort, but if you have the machinery and, and you, it's a great way to, cause it's sawdust is free. I mean, have yeah. most of us just throw it out or put it on the garden, but as a way to use up that resource, you know, you could get a sawdust burning stove too, which you could burns it loose. Um, but as a way of like, I can get this source for free. I mean, you can remember not that long ago where they had to start locking the containers of oil, waste oil behind the restaurants because people were taking it to make biodiesel. Yeah. I mean, because it was, it was free fuel, you know, it's free wood, it's free whatever. So can somebody use it and save us the cost? So sometimes you just have to talk to the people. Sometimes you kind of have to do a little sleuthing um, to figure out where stuff is, whether it is the salvage. Well, you know, a church is getting rid of its pews. Well, you know, you could use that wood you yeah. know, or there's a construction site and they're taking stuff down, you know, maybe even the old two by fours or whatever, if you can reuse them, you know, that's, that's the epitome of salvage. Um, as long as it's with permission, as long as it's, you know, courteous and you can use it or, you know, somebody who can, and you can, you know, get rid of it or move it or store it or what have you, you know, yeah. there's a lot of ways to find lumber. Yeah. And I think the, the, kind of underwriting theme to all of this is continue thinking about paying it forward. Um, you know, I'll go back to my example of the, the crab guy. Um, we have a crab feast every year for the entire yard. He shows up with, I don't know how many bushels of steamed crabs and, you know, the yard shuts down at lunch and everybody sits around and has crab, you know, and, and that's provided by this crab house because I mean, I, I guarantee he's making a huge profit off those little crab mouths considering the source is free um, we've had a number of people who've 
just kind of out of the blue showing up one day and said, you know, here's a cutting board or here's a bowl that I turned. And I just wanted to say thank you for letting me, you know, raid your dumpster or whatever. And it's funny because you'll look, wander around my office and you'll see like one sales guy has a turned bowl sitting on a shelf. Another sales guy has, has a little box sitting on his shelf. And when you really start to ask, well, where'd that come from? Oh, it was a guy that I either I sold some lover to, or, or a guy that, you know, um, I met on a job site somewhere and he was using the offcuts and that stuff just kind of makes it back and it leaves a, a lasting impression. And more importantly, the next guy that comes in and says, Hey, can I, um, you know, what are you doing with those offcuts? Um, the, the defenses don't immediately pop up. You know, the person says, Oh, you know, what are you a woodworker or are you looking to use something for it? And it starts a conversation and it starts to get people thinking about repurposing what they view as waste. Someone else might be able to use that. Now, with that greater awareness becomes the more Machiavellian among us who will say, okay, now I can sell this for something. But even then, the price still ends up being substantially cheaper. I mean, if that person decides they're going to you know, be a profiteer on this, they're not going to last very long because you're not going to be able to sell it for very much. The market just won't hold that. Yeah, Some, some years ago, I was making a period style chairs, with, which were a very long curve, like an X, but, but a a curve in it. And part of the milling process, I had all these weird shaped cutoffs and barrels full. It's like, what am I going to do with these? And I've stumbled across some uh, somebody on Craigslist looking for weird cutoffs for a school program. Gave them all to her. And, and this was an art program for like four, five, six, eight-year-old kids. They loved it because they could glue all these pieces together, which were just all these weird shapes, and make what they wanted to. <laughs> it got to the point where like I started saving all of my cutoffs for her for this art program. The kids loved it. You know, it was free, so she didn't have to pay anything except for the glue, and the kids adored it. And it was they had a lot of fun. It's like that's awesome. That's far better than burning it or or whatever else. It's going not just to somebody who can use it, but a great creative cause. Yeah. No, that's really cool. That's interesting. Yeah. You know what? Um, I, yeah, I think, I think we, we can just say that's our theme here. We started talking about using it to acquire lumber, but I think probably one of the best ways to acquire lumber is to start giving away lumber. Um, the conversations that starts, um, I don't know, maybe a bit of a radical stance there, but I think that that, um, that ability to kind of pay it forward will help you, uh, start to build your lumber stash. And people now, will start paying it back to you without asking anything in return. And, How warm and, and may, fuzzy. You may, you may tell me I'm crazy here, but um, which maybe I'm, you're right. But um, as a woodworker, I mean, there's very little that woodworkers do that other woodworkers can't do. I mean, you're limited maybe by experience or you know a tool or something. But Sharon's doing dovetails. I can do dovetails. Oh, yeah. Mark's making this, or I can make. It, nothing is beyond uh, the scope of another woodworker except. It requires time and experience. So I've always been of the mindset is when you reach a certain investment in, in uh, woodworking or any hobby, you're kind of obligated to start uh, helping those who are just coming in, whether it is maybe re-gifting your older tools down to them, letting them come into your shop and offering some experience, or maybe just to use that tool they don't have uh, to to provide the encouragement and resources that they would need to help get to your level or beyond. Um, you know, we are as a community 
tend to be a very uplifting one, um, helping each other, at least for the most part, to do what we want to do because we know that none of us are all that specifically unique. Right. No, I that get makes what you're sense. saying. Yeah. That's so interesting. I found this wood. You need it? All right. This is what I paid for it. You know, I'm not making a profit, but you can use it. Go for it. Or, or hey, we want to split this and, and or whatever. And that, that inner community is really important. Agreed. Very cool. All right, let's join hands, sing kumbaya. <laughs> it's kind of where it's kind of where we've come to, isn't it? Yeah. Well, Very I was nice. going to say I was going to grab the truck. I'll pick you up after dark, and we'll go hunting for lumber. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be. It's gonna, we're going to actually we're going to start a whole YouTube channel just on that, like lumber raiding um, <laughs> under dark. It's all going to be shot like point of view camera with uh, night vision. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. It'd be like the, do the Blair Witch version. You'll never actually <laughs> see the lumber. You'll just see us running to it and from it. Right. Lots of runny nose close-up shots. It'll be great. Looking forward to that. Trying to steal a log, and they just, you see the police following the, the scrape trail all the way to Shannon's house. <laughs> what logs? I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't have anything. No. Yeah. Where all this sawdust come from, sir? Uh, I bought it at the store. <laughs> yeah. Don't you buy your own sawdust? Okay. Well, I think I think it's probably time to land this plane. But, uh, you know, interesting stuff, particularly interesting. Some of the the thoughts about auctions, because you hear about it. But, you know, I don't know that many people who have really kind of jumped in with both feet like you have and here. So I don't know if it's if it's I had a friend of mine once to once describe the, the, the area I live in, which is southeast PA, about halfway between Philly and Harrisburg. It's like you live in the land of auctions. Maybe it's just because it's kind of rural meat suburbs. Um, and so, you know, the mileage may vary if you're out West Coast or even Midwest. I mean, maybe there's not as many um, or they're not as good. Um, and, you know, it, it's it's all about what are the other skills that you can use to kind of make it work. Yeah. And I, I think there's been a theme throughout this, you know, that that kind of sleuthing that goes on, just being aware, uh, but also being aware of kind of the chain, you know, the levels of the degrees of separation, you know, um, if you do get into the auction scene, you're not finding any lumber, um, who else is going to these auctions and what are they buying? And, and, you know, if they're buying tools, well, they're using those tools. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. they're not painting pastoral scenes on the saws, but you know, there's lumber somewhere in there. And it's a matter of, of building those relationships and, and understanding, um, that degree of separation that might lead you to that, that perfect stash somewhere. And even so. if it's, you know, well, there's no, I got to this auction and there was one small stack. Well, ask the auctioneer, you know, or the other attendees. Do you see lumber coming up a lot? Because, you know, broaden the view through others' input. Maybe the auctioneer's like, yeah, we don't get a whole lot around here. Or you got to go down south. Uh, Jimmy Joe is the big lumber guy. Yeah. He has all the lumber auctions, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's interesting. Very cool. Well, Tommaso, thank you. This has been um it's just Unusual. a lot of stuff that I would have never thought of, um, you know, and, and I am, I'm spoiled rotten, right? I mean, I work in an office that's within a couple million board feet of genuine teak. Um, so, you know, I, I'm exposed to lumber. I have easy access to lumber. Um, I have uh, easy access to really fine lumber yards, too. I mean, you're kind of sort of in the area. I mean, you're not far from guys like Hearn Hardwoods uh, and Groff and Groff Lumber and things like that. Um, Tellerico is really close to me. Yeah, Tellerico really is another nice fantastic stuff. lumber yard. So when you're spoiled with these resources, a lot of times you, uh, I have never really been forced to have to get super creative 
in, in my sourcing like that. But there is a lot of lumber out there to be had. It may not all be cheap. And I do think that that tends to be kind of immediately where people go when you're when you're sourcing this way is you're looking for a deal. Sometimes it's not about the deal. Sometimes it's about using, getting access to a material that you just would not have had access to before. Like it's the 300, yeah, you know, 300 year old, uh, old growth heart pine that was on the floor of a factory. Um, that's not going to go cheaply. People know that that's a big deal, but where else are you going to get it? You know, you talked about repurposing the old studs, you know, and literally the old studs with like the super tight pack growth rings. Mm-hmm. Um, those things are fantastic. Um, and people, unfortunately or fortunately, know that now. So they're going for a higher dollar value, but it's just another way to get access to some of this material, um, which is, uh, I think, very cool. Um, and salvaging is not the end-all, be-all. I mean, if you need, if I need to make a really nice table, I'm going to Tallarico's and I'm going to get a slab. I'm going to pay whatever that price is because I know what I'm going to get. And they have the means by which of cutting something that size versus I just need stuff to make stuff. I yeah. can kind of scale my purchasing accordingly. For yeah. Salvaging. And you may even find that your, your style of building changes because this is the type of lumber that I'm getting. Um, so I'm going to build, take advantage of that particular quality, if you will. I don't know. That sounds like an opportunity to make nasty, <laughs> nasty furniture. But uh, yeah, I think just make something nice from it. You know, let's make something that about, lasts. <laughs> we talk about like making practice pieces sometimes. Well, yeah. okay. I paid nothing for this wood. It's very similar, so that's my practice piece. So when I make it out of the expensive stuff, it's better. Guess oh, what? Yeah. Well, I have a spare one now <laughs> that I can yeah. use in a shop or somewhere else. Yeah, no you doubt. Know, I, I have value. a, I got a pile of stuff in my shop that is small offcuts and things like that that I've I've picked up from the yard. I use it for joinery demonstrations. Um, and you know, just just the other night, I was doing a, a Zoom call with a bunch of Hanchel School students. Um, on half blind dovetails and I essentially built a drawer on camera the back was out of some sort of African wood the sides were out of basswood uh, and the front was cherry Um, and they just the only reason they ended up there is they were kind of sort of already close to the sizes that I needed in other words just me being lazy like I didn't want to have to like mill up a bunch of material for this demonstration so I just grabbed random stuff and the the drawer that I made happened to be the height of it happened to be because that was the width of those two um basswood pieces (laughs) ended up being the sides but yeah you just repurpose the stuff and what would have been terrible is taking you know a fresh board of cherry off the rack milling that and turning that into that drawer box just for that demonstration purpose Um, and the benefit side effect is that you got to demonstrate the making of those blind half blind dovetails in three different woods of three different densities. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. The uh, the the basswoods, uh, joy to work with. But uh, you try to drive a half blind basswood tail into a harder, you know, African utility socket. <laughs> yeah, that basswood will crack pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, well, all right. Well, I appreciate this. This is interesting. Um, Folks, uh, you know, Tommaso, he's one of those guys that's kind of been around our community. Obviously, as you can tell, he's a personable person. He likes to make friends. Um, You probably could find him many, many places. But if someone says, look, I'm curious about this. I want to learn more about this. How can people find you, Tommaso? How can they look you up and and pick your brain some more? 
Um, well, I mean, I'm on Facebook. I would say go to Toilwood. That is sort of the name of the business of sorts. Um, I am. I do occasionally stream on Twitch uh, under Toilwood, but I'm just kind of getting started with that as I find my footing. As but, you, uh, as yeah. in, you toil in the fields. T o i l. It was a joke that my wife came up with because it's like it sounds like a really lousy golf course, like country club. It's a country club where you go to work. It's Toilwood. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It was Very like, nice. that's perfect. When I started, it was more about like homesteading and like self-sufficiency. And I've kind of moved away into that more to just learning how to do stuff. Um, been recently watching uh, Peter Follinsby's videos on basket making because it's like, you know, I got some ash laying around. I want to maybe hmm. split some ash and make a basket. Why? I have no idea. I've always wanted to do it. Yeah. Why not? So it's all about collecting the knowledge and then sharing it. Um, but yeah, Toilwood on Facebook is just a, a sort of a personality page I run. Um, you can always chime in there. And that's where I post most of the photos and anything, you know, relevant going on. Um, Very cool. Well, I appreciate you you're sharing some insights here. And hopefully that will get some people who say they can't find any lumber to shut up and go find some lumber. <laughs> They're all going to so, show up in my house. I'm just going to take mine. Yeah, well, that's that is the risk. That's the risk you bear. You're 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 entering into the Cremona realm where people will just start to unannounced show up at your house and say, "Hey, you got some wood? Yeah, Don't do that. Slab. Yeah. Don't do that, people. That's bad." So, thank you so thank much you. for coming on the show. It's been fun. Thank you for having me, Shannon. I appreciate it.